welcome to Bitstorm, a comedy game design podcast by two guys who know nothing about comedy nor game design. I'm Ben Slinger, and with me, as always, is Trevor Scott. Why, hello. Yes, I am. What are we getting into this week, Trev? We are getting into some rather smooth jazz. I mean, no, we're, we're gonna we're gonna get into some click pitch this week, like we do every week, pretty much, except for those couple of weeks where it wasn't working. So, click pitch is a game where we each have a adjective and a noun. And on the count of three to one click, we're going to get new words and we're going to throw them at each other. And we use this rather awesome Discord bot that I created and used like some internet forms to to get the words and they get delivered to us. And then if I really want to, I can look in the back end and see what Ben got. You set those pipes up directly into our uh, Discord and we can get our words. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we're going to turn those into some game signs. Let's do it. Three to one click. Varied insect. Consuming maize. M A Z E. Oh, okay, not M A I Z E. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, what other maize is there? <laughs> it's not corn. But but it could be a corn maze, and it could be yeah. that you've got to get out of the maze before the insects all consume the maze, and that's kind a of- A maze maze, yeah. It's kind of like, you know, the plague is coming, you've got to get out of the maze before, like, the the human-eating insects come in and, like, wipe you out. Okay. I do kind of like the idea of, like, an impending insect apocalypse that you can see on the horizon as this huge swarm of- locusts or mutated locusts or whatever they are <laughs> that's coming for you. And yeah, sort of a, a cornfield, corn maze situation. Yep. And depending on the difficulty level, like, and the difficulty level is all about at the easy level, you're a single guy, a um, little bit harder, you're a young couple, a little bit harder, you're like a married couple with children and then incredibly okay. hard is like the elderly couple who each have like like a cane and stuff and they can't move very fast um and the whole idea is that uh it's a randomized run and every single time you're sort of getting out but just getting out of the maze is only one part of it you got to then get home mm. so jumping in the car and Okay. Or get to safety. So, this is this is some sort of roguelike yeah. where you've got a randomized maze. Yes. And then you have, like, a hu- like a, a big dash off down the highway ahead of the wave of insects to get home. Like, that's sort of your big finish of every run. Yeah. And it's, it's sort of like, um, if you remember in, uh, like, Left 4 Dead and that sort of stuff, you always had yeah. the big rush of zombies. In this, yeah. every time that you get out of the maze- that's when the swarm sort of is going to hit the worst. Uh, if you didn't die while you were in the maze. Is this then a Left 4 Dead style co-op-ish experience, perhaps? Um, it could be a Left 4 dead sort of experience, but it's more... Well, it could be a multiple uh, multiplayer experience. I'm thinking <laughs> more a reverse... Uh, what's it called? Uh, Fortnite or Reverse PUBG, where and we haven't done one of these in a long time. So uh-huh. everyone starts inside the maze, and then yep. it's you got to get out and you know take the cars and, and get away. But there's only so many cars, so 
Okay, so it's more of the get the fuck out right. of the maze. And, it's and this battle escape. royale, and 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 be the one to to be able to survive. And yes, if you come across other people, do you have to like choose whether to help them or like kill them, or would it just be kill anyone you see because they're uh, you know they might get a car before you do? Well, were you lucky enough to um, be one of the people who spawned with a, with car keys? And then were you lucky enough to to stay away from people, you know, so that they didn't hit you and knock your car keys out of your pockets? Because in this game, basically, if you get punched, your car keys are going to go flying. (laughs) (laughs) Car keys and shoes. Yep. Uh, And you don't want to have no shoes in a corn maze. Uh, How do do we make the maze part more interesting? Because I feel like- Landmines. That's your answer to everything, Trevor. It's like, how do we make, how do we make this, this, this fucking kids game more interesting? Landmines. That you've said that so many times. Like every I'm episode, sorry. I feel like you bring up landmines. I'm sorry, I've had to cut out so many references to landmines, just like all your puns. Yeah, it's just anyway. Fine, landmines. Um- <laughs> this is the first time that people would have heard about landmines because I don't think I can be bothered cutting it out this week, even though it's your edit. <laughs> Trevor's Trevor's just he you didn't see it but he just like waved five bucks up on the screen he's gonna pay me to leave that landmines reference in so I guess you'll probably hear it uh, I'll my other ways then <laughs> that's not even a thing here uh, <laughs> are there ways international listeners you'll get it <laughs> it's a joke are there ways that you can like Cut through the maze. Or, yeah, there's a tractor like, right in the middle of the maze, guide. and it's like, okay. oh, it's a combine harvester, and you can just like, you can take out a lot of people with that, and maybe get some keys, and p- presumably, you know, get through a large chunk of the maze without having to actually like, exactly, you know, fight, find the dead ends. And well, yeah, I was kind of wondering if if there are those sort of aspects where it's like, oh, you found you know, a set of hedge clippers, you can, like, take out one section of the maze or, like, five blocks of the maze or something at different at different points to sort of maybe get a shortcut through. But, of course, if, if someone else sees you, like, they'll, they'll be able to follow you through or whatever. Or maybe you can, like, just fucking find some matches and burn down a section of the maze, but it also, you know- You're is, putting is, yourself in danger. It's a risk reward. yourself in danger. Yeah. Um, are you going to find the wealth at the center of the maze that is right next to the tractor, or are you going to find the exit, which is, you know, on the opposite side of the of the field? Yeah, and you know, realize, oh crap, the exit's on the other side of the field, and there's no way to get there because of all the barbed wire and landmine field. Yeah, well, there's a sign that says landmines. You you haven't actually seen anyone get hit, like hit. Do you really want to take that chance? Are you going to risk it? That's the thing. Uh, <laughs> and the fact that we, that I don't know who suggested it was in one of the meetings, actually having like a peripheral that, you know, hooks up to your NADs. And if, if a landmine, landmine goes off, 20,000 volts straight into your NADs. Yeah, but we fired Jeff after that. Oh, did we? Oh. Yeah. That, we're oh, not doing fuck that. Him. Uh, that was, I think he had a finish. Uh, and that's fine old. for him, but we're yeah. not going to force that onto our players. Um, the insects, is is that just the sort of uh, the, the, the ongoing kind of threat or are you fighting off in like insects after a while? Are you having to like 
find a flamethrower and like take out swarms of insects, but you know, you might set the maze on fire. I like the idea that in the middle of the swarm are these bigger, like more fucked up insects. Yeah. Uh, kind of like Deep Rock Galactic where you get those big, like, I think it was Mactra plagues or whatever that sort of mm. come in and like some of them can grab you and take you away and all this sort of stuff. I like the mm-hmm. idea of it. This is an alien insect swarm. Like, yeah. basically, aliens have taken control of the insects of the world. And so, the majority of the insects are, are kind of okay. You, you hope that you don't get caught up in a wasp storm, because that's extremely deadly. But if it's just a mosquito swarm, then, yeah, you're going to be itchy as, as all hell. <laughs> the character's not going to be moving so fast, fast, but you might get away. But it's basically, you know, you don't know the type of swarm that you're going to get yeah. until you actually go into the, into the game. Well, it could be to your benefit to be picked up by, you know, a swarm of uh, bees who think you're pollen or whatever, and you might get dropped, you know, or if someone else then helps you and takes out that swarm, you might get dropped closer to the exit. You know, you know, you might skip a whole section of the maze. You very well might. Yep. Well, despite our loss of Jeff and, uh, you know, that was a big uh, loss to the company, I think I think we'll be okay. Mm-hmm. Put this game out and it'll be a hit. All right, three, two, one, click. Molecular concentrate. Damn leg. <laughs> That's my words. Damn leg. <laughs> Damn Not leg. Not D, like D A M N leg. Okay, molecular concentrate is cool though. Like some sort of jizz puddle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad it's my edit because otherwise this episode might end up being called Juice Puddle and I just wouldn't stand for it. <laughs> it's the first thing that came Jesus into my mind. Christ. <laughs> I was literally about to. Uh, funnily enough, I was literally about to say Grey Goo, but talking about you know the the, the, the idea of nanites as a you know. A goo of, of, you know, billions of nanites. Uh, I mean, we could, we could, it could, it could be that you jizz out nanites. (laughs) (laughs) You're a robot that has a, that has a bung leg. (laughs) And he... He jizzes out nanites and takes over. I well, I was more thinking like it's it's sort of a, uh, a cyberpunk kind of world or like a, a you know a future world where due to experiments gone wrong, there are people who are essentially healers <laughs> because they have these nanites in their bodies, but there's only one way that they can expel them onto other people. They're healers and they heal by. Fucking. <laughs> that's well, all, not, that's all not even thinking. that. Unless it, unless you've got some sort of, I mean, internal problem. Like I'm literally thinking, it's like, hey, my leg, my legs all fucked up. Can you help me? And they're like, yeah, I'll fuck talk it. dirty, talk dirty for a few. Oh fuck. <laughs> A leg, yeah, I'll fuck a leg. Yeah, does that let me make the hole a little bit deeper. <laughs> oh, gross! No, 
That's getting too visceral. <laughs> I don't actually want to think about how... It, it's more the conceptual fucking of the leg. Oh, my God. How can we keep this in the episode? I don't know. This is horrible. I'm so sorry, listeners. <laughs> this is as crazy as I've gone in a long time. Mm. Uh, I'm not sure we're coming back from that one. So, I think that's... Okay, let, let's let's try it for, like, a little bit. <laughs> All right, can we move away from the jizz play? Yes. All right. Molecular concentrate. So, I mean, I think I think that still feels like No, 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 like what, are you, what are your words? Oh, damn leg. Damn leg. Okay, damn leg and molecular concentrate. So... I mean, I still think... Oh, ooh. I lo- I, I'm, I'm picturing, you know, like the primordial ooze. Okay. So that's the molecular concentrate. Yeah. This is like the very beginning of beginning life. Beginning of life. On, on a new planet. A new planet. And someone from Earth ends up there and sort of bangs their <sighs> knee and a little bit of blood goes into the molecular concentrate. It's like, <laughs> damn, <laughs> legs. They just have... They just, like, stub their toe and... <laughs> <laughs> or like it scrape bubbling. their knee starts bubbling that's and the it's catalyst like, it's the catalyst yeah an, ex- an, ex- an a- a- accelerated evolution of life on this planet it's kind of like the movie evolution where like yeah things start evolving really quickly but the catalyst was human blood yes okay so are you, is this an ex- is this a like explorer like an astronaut out there you know pioneering on a new planet yeah, I'm, or I'm just is this wondering. A future where humans are already out in space and they just like happen, they're just like checking out this planet on a joyride. Like, how far down the technological scale? Um, are I like the idea of kind of combining like a Mass Effecty sort of RPG. You've got a whole crew on the ship, and you know you're away party. It's the the game sort of starts as you land down on this, or mm-hmm. you've got this group of people walking through this like desolated sort of place there's not much going on and then they come across like a a puddle you know well mm-hmm. i say puddle is probably more more of a lake sort of thing and um you know yeah the commander goes a little bit closer and then you know trips and cuts his knee and like oh god damn it and a little bit of blood just goes in and the whole lake just starts bubbling it starts to bubble all right okay i like this setup so I'm picturing less. Uh, I'm picturing uh, veering more towards a Star Trekky type of feel mm-hmm. than than like Mass Effect is sort of space opera ish, I guess. But I do like this. You're just a member of the crew, so you can like customize yourself, full RPG ish sort of thing. You know, maybe still Bioware's thing of. Um, you know, you've everyone has the same last name, so that everyone can just refer to you as you know. Ensign Jaffers. Uh, <laughs> just as good as... I was just looking for... What else works with a shepherd? <laughs> Sheep. It's canon now. You play this game, you're, you're Ensign Jaffers. If you're lucky, if you choose the right ending, you'll get up to Admiral Jaffers by the end. But cool. um, Ooh, I, you know, I, I want to see a long what, period. I want to see what Ab- Admiral Jaffers is getting up to in the next game. Like... 
But that's it. All right, that might be in the sequel. Uh, but at this point, you're in St. Jaffa's and you're down on the away team. Um, how does that work if you if you go really, really bad? Do you go faster up the Admiral, up the Admiral charts or... Fail upwards. Fail upwards, um, yeah. I mean, we have to figure out how corrupt our, you know, military... <laughs> or does it depend if you're, if you're white? <laughs> well, at least human in this yeah. world, yeah. Like, if oh, you've chosen I know, an alien... I, I reckon they're still racing, Alien character. Like- I mean, there's probably still internally as, like... Spe- in, in, within the species racism as well. But. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's humans. <laughs> like, well, or is, it, is this all human? Have, is there no, is this a world where there's no other alien contact at this point? Perhaps. We have explored, like, we've explored a ton of solar systems. We haven't found any other alien life. Mm. But we are living on a lot of space stations. Like, there is a space, you know, we, we have colonies in different. Uh, solar systems in, on, on different worlds. Some of them are, you know, quite heavily um, popular, populated and, and, you know, advanced now. And do yes, you think- you are, Okay, yeah, keep going. Just you you are on a team that's, again, where, you know, as humans need to do, <laughs> expand, consume resources. So, we're, we're continuing to expand- and explore, and we've yeah we've come to this planet, and this is the first time any human has been on this planet. Yes. Okay. Uh, do you think that in in this universe, like humans are just known throughout the universe as being so horrible that they that the aliens specifically like stay away, and they and they sort of you know they're kind of like <clears throat> they think that we don't exist. And, you know, it's, yes. it's just like humans I, are just the, but the biggest think, joke th- over the entire universe. I think, yes, yes, universe. definitely. I think, though, this catalyze essentially- Okay, so here's what I was thinking. You you catalyze this reaction of accelerated uh, evolution, and this species starts overtaking the galaxy, essentially. Like- Okay. It, it is growing so fast. It's like a, a force a of scourge. nature. It is a scourge. And again, similar to our like insect swarm in the previous one. It's just, they're not super intelligent. It's kind of like um, Stargate, the little um, nano thing. Do you remember in the series? Oh, yep, yep, yep. yep. The later, like, later series. Um, later series of Stargate, they had- the sort of robotic nanite things that they like could all link together and stuff. Um, Another game with nanites. I mean, you had to bring it back there, didn't you? Uh, I mean, yeah. If, as long as we don't say jizz probably. Oh, fuck. Um, <laughs> no, no. But I don't think they're nanites. I think I was just making the, the comparison. They're biological, but they, they're not super intelligent. They're more like ants, right? Like, like in, they are like insects again or something like, like ants where they will really cooperate to build things and they build huge structures and they mm-hmm. manage to like literally structures that can then take them into space somehow. Like they are like a biological version of being able to travel through space. But because of this, now aliens have to make contact with humans. Like this, this kicks off. Oh. It's kind of it's kind of like a biological landmine, in that it oh, kicked fucking the- landmines, Trevor. <laughs> landmines. How have we done two hundred and thirty-two episodes when every game is landmines? I don't know how we managed to edit around it. Oh my god! I'm just leaving it in this episode. Fuck it. We'll see where we come. Fucking landmine storm, and we'll see. <laughs> that what that was what I originally asked asked for this thing to be called, and then you oh, said no. God. 
So we went with the other one first, and then we went with Bitstorm, because you still didn't like Landmine Storm. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. So many games... What, what was the last game you played that even had a Landmine in it? Call of Duty. Uh, all right, anyway. Uh, <laughs> so... <laughs> So I like that idea then, yeah, like, essentially you as humans, as the fucking bumbling human race that the aliens have been- There's like a cordoned off area, like, fucking 200 light years around Earth, and, you know, you've you've explored a fraction of it as- uh, And you think- Humans think they're king shit because of that. They're like, oh, I guess we're the only ones who made it outside of their home solar system, aren't we good- and then they f- trip over and create a biological weapon that's threatening <laughs> to destroy everyone. And the aliens are just like, oh, for fuck's sake. And then they have to come in into Yeah, and, and they, have to, they have to come in and basically try and help save, like, the universe. Because they thought, yeah. you know, this is this is a nice little puzzle they can they can sort of solve. And- well, no, I think, I think it's actually a threat to them. But they have to work with the humans because, like, these things are part human- because they essentially like, yeah, are using that human DNA to, to build off of. Mm-hmm. And so they, they like, they have to work with the, they either have to enslave the humans <laughs> so that they can get access to their DNA and do tests, like come up with, with some sort of, you know, uh, way to, to shut this biological weapon down essentially, or they have to be diplomatic. And work with them. And you find out, like, halfway through the game that in the council of all the fucking aliens of this galaxy, like, they were split. Like, they were ready to just fucking matrix the, matrix the whole human race, essentially, <laughs> to farm DNA so that they can fight this thing. But they decided to go the diplomatic route. Or did they matrix them? The thing that we created was, like, a a computer virus that took down the entire matrix. And that's why they're now coming, <laughs> coming to us. That basically we've that's that's one of the endings. You find that out in one of the endings that that's actually what it is. But in and, and it's only canon if you if you reach that ending. <laughs> Otherwise, it's just regular life. <laughs> it's, it's one of those um, joke endings of, you know, oh my god, it was Matrix all along. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, it's Matrix all the way down. Um, <laughs> I think I think we salvaged that. Yes, I think we did. Uh, I like. I think there's. I think that'd be really cool. A, a big sprawling RPG there, and but but yes, in the Mass Effect sort of style, but it uh, with that with that twist of like no, actually, like humans are are thought of as the dunces of the. The universe or the galaxy mm-hmm. meeting, yeah, meeting aliens for the first time. I mean, they never. The biggest joke was that um, the aliens were like, "Oh God, you never made it past uh, the speed limit of C." Like, yeah, yeah, you still like you taking huge colony ships that take you know decades to to reach new new solar systems and things. Yeah, and and they're like, "Oh God, you guys, you don't understand anything." <laughs> It's like so slow. <laughs> you didn't even leave your solar system until like twenty three fifty one. You nearly got there, and then you fucking invented cryptocurrency and nearly destroyed your climate, and it set you back centuries. It was like a oh, landmine to your to your knowledge. Three, two, one, click. 
<laughs> Satellite accusation. Jacques. Wondering celebration. Ooh. Okay, so the moon is also known as a satellite. <laughs> and I'm picturing that every night it sort of goes past and it just points at someone and just accuses them of, of like, doing wrong things. <laughs> That's actually kind of a fun, weird, absurd thing. That every night as the moon goes past, it's pointing at someone. <laughs> at one person. At one going- person. And the rest of the world, <laughs> or the rest of the hemisphere. <laughs> it's the just, rest of the- just in the it's- eyes to its eyes and eyes to... It's just like, I'm watching you. Don't watching. fucking do anything. <laughs> but that just started happening. Essentially, the, 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 the person in the moon, we all know, is, you know, up there... Yeah, the moon just started shifting one night and a face appeared and, and hands appeared on it and it just started going, watching you, watching you. And nobody quite knew what was up about. They're like, what, us? Like humans? Until scientists were watching it. They were like tracking the minute changes in where the moon was pointing across the, the night and realizing, no, wait, this is following. This is a, this is must be tracking a singular point on the surface of the earth. And eventually, you know, created the te- technology to to measure it and discover at any point. All right, where's the moon pointing tonight? Oh, fifty three Eastfield Street. It's it's fucking Jim, Jimmy. It's Jimmy Barnes, <laughs> the singer. Tonight, anyway. Um, but then one night, Gerald Tyler. Mm. Um. He's just walking around and the moon points at him. Yep. And he goes, I haven't done anything wrong. Like, he knows that it's him. Like, he just gets this feeling like the hairs prick up on the back of his neck. But then the next night comes along and the moon's pointing at him again. Mm. And it's now locked into him. And it's every night. This is the only time this has happened. So, all other nights, like the moon, the moon comes up, points to someone and... Do they do something then? Like, um, is it that they were going to do something and the moon knew about it, or they definitely like they do do something and it's pointing to where? Uh, like, I think I think depending on whether the moon is smiling or not depends on whether the moon is like, hey man, you keep you. Yeah, sometimes it's just <laughs> sometimes it's just the moon affirming. It's, it's just a spotlight on. It's sort of like. You know, on Twitch, sometimes they spotlight certain certain streamers. It's like, he's sure, spot- yeah. spotlighting and going, this person is awesome. But ever since Gerald Tyler came into being, like, or it came what, into well, the spotlight, like... What's the moon's expression, though? Well, when it's pointing at Gerald Tyler... Ambivalent. Is it ambivalent? Like, it's just... It's, hmm. it's just a bit of a... Hmm. Just, <laughs> just shrugging, like it's just sort of shrugging and pointing. It's the weirdest, okay. weirdest thing. Like no one's ever the moon. The moon just does not get Gerald Tyler and cannot get Gerald Tyler out, out of, of its, its mind. Head. Yeah, because he's so boring. And then you you start playing the game, and you've got as, a- as Gerald as Gerald. <laughs> I fucking love the idea of you're just wandering around in in a world in this game world 
And at any point, you could look up at the sky and the moon's just like, eh? pointing at you. <clears throat> <laughs> you look you look and he starts doing the, <laughs> the well i'm just wondering then you. is it your actions that your actions as you play the moon's face might change expression depending on <laughs> the, du- the thumbs up the it, direction as you're heading oh yes i i think the moon is actually he's always been looking for you and looking for, for looking for the person that he can sort of connect with and so scientists have have you know wandered for many years, you know every night oh. these people sort of you know. Well, yeah, maybe it's like the moon's you know the moon's pointing at someone, but like it's obviously hard to tell who the moon's pointing at. The scientists can figure it out, but it takes them a few hours to pinpoint it. And by that time, like that person's asleep, and like that something's happened, or they've done the thing they were going to do or not going to do, or whatever the moon was trying to communicate, because they never believe, even if it, if it kind of looks like the moon's pointing at them, it's like whatever, it's probably pointing at the neighbour. Gerald's the first person when the moon's pointing at them and they've gone, fuck, the moon's pointing at me. Mm. And so when Gerald looks back and waves, like, the moon waves back and there's a whole communication going on Ooh, at that point. And then, then it's like this stealthy sort of thing where the moon can sort of hide behind clouds and then come out again to, to give you light when it needs to. <laughs> yeah, you're trying to sneak in somewhere and you're just like- Sh- playing charades with the moon to try to tell it to get behind a fucking cloud because you're making too much light. Like, come on, dude. <laughs> I'm picturing, like, a fully cratered, like, fucked up moon. Kind of like, um, you know, a low poly sort of moon with lots of craters and all that sort of stuff. But it's got, yeah, like, Yeah, but this- very expressive. It's very It's got to be very expressive. And it's got arms and hands. Yeah. Because it just grew them when this happened for the first time. What happens when the moon- Is it only when the moon's, like, full or close to full? Or is it just annoying to the moon when it's, like, crescent and you just see, like- One arm. One, one arm <laughs> and, like, a, like half an eye. And occasionally it's, you see the other arm just sort of come into view and he's sort of like- Ugh. It's like trying to get your attention. It's like, fuck, it's not enough sunlight. No one can see me. <laughs> but I think this definitely takes place during close to the the new moon, the, the oh, full yeah, moon during during a full moon, pretty much like yeah. the three days, you know, of the yeah. full moon. Yeah, so I like that this takes takes place across those three days. And is this just like a very personal story then for Gerald? Like, yeah, I think I think he's trying to like connect, connect with, make a friend, or like a, get into a relationship, or reconnect to someone he's estranged with. But the moon's fucking helping him. <laughs> and then, and then it turns out, like he gets to the end and he realizes, hang on, I think this has happened to us before. And he remembers back to when the man on the moon, who was his father, connected connected to him via radio, because that's a game that we've done in the past. <laughs> Come back! But no, um, um, I, I, thought, I thought you were going to say, actually, he realises by the end that it was the neighbour, and this whole time, <laughs> it hasn't even been Gerald. He's just been misinterpreting all the signals. Um, <laughs> what I would love is, like, um, the, the news is, like, following this, this whole story of- Oh, like, yeah. The moon has been really expressive these last these last two nights. We can only imagine what's going to happen tonight, and like shit goes out of control. And yeah, well, I kind of love that. But that on that first night, 
you'll you see people reacting. They're like, holy shit. Like, you walk around and people are just up there watching the moon. But no one realizes it's you because they still, like, there's still no way you can with- a, a regular human can see with the precision necessary to know who the moon is looking at and pointing at, right? Like, it could be anyone essentially, you know, at this end of the planet. But, yeah, by the second night, maybe the scientists have started- you know, locking it in. I feel like the scientists every night, like, figure out, like, triangulate it down, figure out pretty much where it is. So, the cops or whatever, like, they're always they're always around trying to figure out who it is because they know some shit's going to go down. Or- so, so um, you know how mo- uh, meteorologists deal with the weather? Is it like a lunologist? And it's like they're dealing with lunar activity and it's like, tonight it appears that the moon may be pointing around the Georgia area. It's like, Yeah, um, exactly. Yes. It's like, so <laughs> if, if you want to be the lucky one chosen tonight, then maybe you should get out there and, you know, try to make our lunar god happy. <laughs> <laughs> it just different. Totally. There's all these different, there's all these different belief systems around around what the moon wants because yeah no one's ever properly communicated with it like the, the astrological tonight. charts are all about and if the moon is in your sign then <laughs> <laughs> if the moon's looking in you know two th- five degrees in your direction um <laughs> if you're an aries the moon may look at you tonight <laughs> if only you could be so lucky i like that so how does the game play out then uh, it's across these three nights. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking you kind of got a semi-open-ish world, like a neighborhood or something that you're going around. What is the story? What's Gerald trying to do? Okay. So, I think it opens up on Gerald. He's just been in a bar and he gets ejected. Okay. So, he's he's basically- he's having a hard time. Ha- had a hard time. He's down on his luck. He gets ejected from this bar mm-hmm. and like everyone in the area, like he gets out of the bar and everyone's just looking up. Mm. And it's because the moon is pointing in this general vicinity. So, they're all trying to, you know, they're moving around trying to see if, you know, the the moon is moving even the slightest little bit. And you hear hear this kid go, mommy, I think it's pointing at me. (laughs) Yeah. And there's some like, there's some, you know, nerdy mansplainer going like, uh, the 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 angle of the moon changed like you'd never be able to see it just by moving five steps to your right. You know, that what everyone actually knows, even though they, you know. And, Try it anyway. And, you know, um, up, up comes a prompt on the screen that says, press F to wave. And, like, you wave at the moon. And the moon waves back. The moon waves like, back. Then, you know, you cover your eyes a little bit. And the moon covers his eyes. And it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> and that's how it sort of opens. And- but no one notices. Because they just think you're some drunk on the street. Mm. They don't notice that. The moon's following you because they're, they're not they're paying any attention the to they're, you. They're, seeing they're the moon all looking going, at the moon. Oh my god, the moon is like moving and doing all this sort of stuff, and you're you're literally yeah. able to sort of do that. And then you know, so you sort of you head off down the street, and you see you know one of those classic shots of all the TVs in the window as they start reporting on this you know unseen moon activity. Never before have we seen the moon so expressive. Yeah, and I think I think you can just often Beverly. just look up look up at the moon. I think you can always just look up at the moon and maybe make some make some gestures, and it'll always just gesture back um, to sort of confirm. Uh, but then, yeah, I guess we need to bring. 
some some story and maybe you get like a phone call from your ex-wife or something who's you know you were supposed to pick up your your son from school and from school like hours ago and she's you know berating you because she had to get a call from the principal and and essentially this is about this whole story is is the moon helping you get your your shit together (laughs) um but there's also something else that the moon actually needs your help for so it's sort of like get you done uh get you fixed up in your life and then you're the only person who can actually help the moon okay interesting what does the moon need the moon just needs needs a friend needs a friend it, it's he's lonely. So, so you have this real dramatic ending where you finally you make up with your son and your ex-wife respects you again. But it's like, but I've I've got to go, son. The moon's calling me. You get in a rocket. <laughs> he's calling me like on my phone right now. See, moon. yeah, like literally, it says moon. You can see him up there. He's got a phone up to he's his head. He's got a phone up to his head. It's a, it's a whole thing. <laughs> yeah, he's waiting for me. Sorry. Um, uh, do you want to come? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you can offer the, you can offer for the sun to come, and and the sun goes. Oh, can I come tomorrow? Oh, no, no, it's, no, it's a can't. one time. It's, it's a one time thing. I'm thing. I'm going, and I'm not going to be back. It's like I put down. I want to see mummy, and it's like, oh, you can stay here then. Okay, goodbye. Yeah, bye, <laughs> bye, son. I'm going to hang out with my bud at the moon. Uh, you uh, go up there, and-, and you're like NASA. Just point me in the general direction. He'll catch me. It's fine. Yeah, so you you go up there, and then basically you see a guy who's literally on the moon, and like he's got like this huge mech arm sort of thing that he can <laughs> he can move around. Like it's all technological, and he goes, and they're insufferable. Thank God you're here. Thank and God. Insu- well, I'm thinking, thank God you're here. We need your help um, to defeat, you know, this this incoming threat. And then you see behind the moon, and what you haven't seen the entire time is this huge fleet of ships. But it's just <laughs> the fact that the um, that the moon's light is sort of yeah, like yeah, you can't yes, it's, it's too bright, <laughs> too bright. So, by the way, what is Gerald Tyler going to do against this fleet of ships? He's some he's got something special. Um, it turns out that um, he was the first one to ever actually communicate back with the moon so the moon's like oh i guess you'll do <laughs> i guess you'll do they've just been trying to get attention anybody's attention on earth this whole time <laughs> oh my god that's funny that's that's actually i feel like that's an after credit scene yeah oh yeah that whole thing it's actually a really nice scene if you're like reaching the moon and you're just like re- feeling really satisfied and then yeah from behind a crater after the credits it's like hey and you're just like what the fuck <laughs> Um, I'm thinking as, as you're taking off, you, you like we paid a lot of money to uh, Pink Floyd, and we just played the whole album of Dark Side of the Moon over the credits. Over, over the credits, as as you like, it's the whole the whole trip and and land, and as, as you fly to the moon in like real time, and so in this game, it's like you play the album 13 times or whatever, however long it is to. To get there, I think it's like up. 24 three hours, days. three days, so it's even worse. So it's like, yeah, we just, <laughs> it's on loop. So you, you only see this scene if you leave the credit loop on for three days. <laughs> yep. I mean, do, 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 do,
It's a gas. It's a gas. <laughs> All right, three, two, I'm glad one, that three. you knew which song I was going for. <laughs> Beneficial principle. Obsessed scientist. Ooh, that's a fun little little relationship. Because mm. I feel like I was going principal of a school. Well, you do um, have principal and like it's not a yes, principal. Exactly. So yes. it is, you know, you're the, the but principal it could be, is your it pal. Could be the, but it could be like the principal something. Like the, yes, it, there are. Anyway, yes, but I was thinking principal of a school. Mm-hmm. Is this a scientist who wants to experiment on the kids <laughs> in the school? <laughs> you play a mad scientist. What was the other word? Obsessed. Obsessed, yeah. And he's, he's obsessed with the, with the idea. Every every time that he gets into, into, like, one of the staff meetings, he goes, can I just have three kids? Is he, he the science teacher? Is he the science he's teacher? He's the science teacher, but he's also, like, a mad scientist. And he's just- He's trying- he's try- Yeah, he keeps- he- Keeps trying to get permission to run these like ridiculous exper- ridiculous experiments involving the Meth students because it's and- like they're, they're they're the perfect test subject. No, I think they're like I think maybe they're like psychological experiments. Okay, um, yep. that are just totally gonna like fuck these kids up, or maybe or yeah, or maybe he's trying to test some like miracle drug or something. Yeah, it's like all I want to do is inject three students with differing amounts of snake venom and see how they react. Just observe them over the course of a week, see which of them die. I mean, <laughs> just send permission slips home. Nobody reads those anyway. They just sign them, and we're asses covered. We just say a it's science. a camp. It's a camp. It's a camp really snake long bite. camp. <laughs> We we can pretend it's like a, a Wild West camp in the science building in my lab. Is this is this more of a is this just one, is that just one aspect of the game? And this is sort of a kind of like a um, you play the principal of this like crazy school, yeah. and you've got every single teacher coming to you for for different. Like well, yeah. So I was thinking, it's demands sort of essentially, and all what was that stuff. game? Was it? Um, I don't think you played it, but was it? Yes, Your Highness, or something. Yes, Your Grace. Um, where you play the king, and like part of it is, yeah, like your uh, in this game, part of it was your constituents essentially coming to you, and like you had to make decisions, but that would affect things in the wider, wider realm. But then there were wars you'd find, and that's sort the of thing. But I think it's kind of like, kind of like that, but it's a school and you're making decisions based like your teachers are coming to you and your students are coming to you. Uh, but then there are also scenes where it's like, you just, you walk around the school and you get some exposition and there are particular characters around that you can talk to. Um, so it's almost a, almost a point and click mixed with this sort of, I guess sort of papers, please or yeah. yes, your grace sort of thing where you're making these decisions uh, as these people come to you. And so, yes, like one of them is the fucking science teacher who's just constantly trying to, um, trying to experiment on kids. And you can choose, you can be like, fine, have three kids, but like, choose the dumb ones. <laughs> choose ones that would normally go to science and then muck up in the back of the class. Cause they're not going to yeah. be missed. Yeah. The smart exactly. ones are. Yeah. Their, their parents won't notice them gone. 
for at least a couple of days. So if you know there are side effects, but you know, if they do come, I'm avoiding them like landmines, and I'm sending them to you. <clears throat> Ignoring that. Uh, so I think. What else is happening in this school, though? So, like, um, what does the okay. music teacher want? What is the the, the lunch music te- the music wants? teacher keeps on like they're kind of obsessed with like necks, and you have an idea that they may be a vampire, but you can't be <laughs> sure. Like, they always they've got those big black curtains that they put across in their like all, you know their studio. I mean, room really, or their, that, their that band actually more, it would make more sense for the photography teacher to be uh, the vampire because they're always in the dark room. Um, That's true. Well, maybe, or maybe, so maybe there is a bit of a red herring that it it becomes very obvious. Hey, I'm pretty sure the photography teacher is a vampire, but it's not. It's the music teacher. Yeah. Um, or you're pretty sure that is that is the music teacher, and it's, it's actually just the photography teacher. Either way, you can go yeah. either way. Uh, the woodwork teacher, he's an outlaw. Like he's just a full on cow. He just acts like a cowboy. He he acts like a cowboy. There's just something about that idea about this, you know, this outlaw that has a wisdom that you know the kids like really gravitate towards. But the entire time in in the woodworking class, he's just getting him to to make like weapons and and other things for like <laughs> like shivs or well, what I'm, sort of I'm weapons? thinking I'm thinking you know he's planning a heist of a bank or something like that, and he's getting him to to like build different things that that he can use in no, his he's, heist. He's planning a heist of a museum, and he's getting them all to like whittle these different little uh, idols and 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 figures that. He's going to use to confuse the to, uh, confuse the guards so that he can nick the real one and leave all these fakes behind mm-hmm. of varying quality. I'm, I'm just picturing that every single teacher has like good and bad qualities, but as for as for what they all are, I mean, obviously you can you can add new teachers in with expansions and all this sort of stuff, and that's where. Yeah, well, I think I think they basically kind of all have their little storylines, but. Then there are some, maybe some sort of overall stats where, based on the direction you go in each storyline, the school will become, you know, more unruly or more um, strict or, like, there are certain ways that it'll go where then each storyline kind of built, like, plays off of that a bit. You'll see different options based on, oh, you've got a very, like, well-behaved school, so, you know, you're not going to be able to do- you're not going to be able to take advantage of the friggin', like- kids who blow up things down on the oval at lunchtime because they aren't in your school. Whereas mm. if you'd if you'd made different decisions in previous storylines, then in this storyline you could utilize them um, as a resource essentially or as a as a story path that you can go down for yep. uh, for the um, lunch lady who needed who? Well, some rabbits blown up down there. Well I, I think that, you know, every twenty eight days the um the lunch lady gets really, really Aggressive, uh-huh. and then you realise that it actually falls in phases with the moon, and because your mind went to the other, the other reason why you thought that she would, she would get um, because <laughs> you're just misogynistic. Yeah, you're just misogynistic. She's actually a yeah. werewolf. Um, I think she's, I think she's actually like a were, um, a were rabbit, and that's why she wants to get rid of all yeah. the rabbits because, yeah. like, they're honing in on her territory. Yeah, exactly. Plus, she makes a mean rabbit stew. 
Yeah, it's a little bit cannibalistic on her part, but she does she only eat, eat it. it when she's in human form. She doesn't eat it. She, she just, just gives it to, it to the, the to the students. Yeah, uh, she does put a drop of her blood in every now and again, and like, and there, there have are been a few rabbit. She, yeah, we have seen students. there have been a pack of rather large rabbits being seen running around during the full moon. Some of them wearing the school uniform, but uh, I'm sure uh, that we don't have any, down. We don't have any proof, so. And ever since the math teacher just disappeared that time, like, you know. Yeah, in a bright flash of light with geometric symbols flying through the air, which in some weird fashion, um, we're pretty sure they either- Stepped on a landmine. show up. Temporal landmine, did you say? Yeah, te- temporal landmine, that's even better. Yeah. Three, two, one, click. <laughs> okay. Oh, I kind of I like I like when we get numbers. They give interesting things. Eight threshold draining forecast. Uh, draining forecast. What could be? What could be forecast to drain? Is this like the ocean is draining and it's forecast to happen in eight days? It's going to drain in eight days. There's just yep. a huge hole has opened in the bottom of the ocean. And it's and No one knows where it's going. Well, it's going into the centre of the planet, obviously. Well, but, that, but like, from a physical point of view, I don't think there's enough, like, how is there space? I feel like if you added up the, the area or the volume of all the oceans and then tried to, like, ascend- anyway- it's disappearing into down down somewhere. Um, maybe it's like it's someone's a- pulled a plug, and you got this massive whirlpool in the middle of the yeah. Atlantic. But maybe it's like a wormhole. Like, uh, what well, my point was, maybe it's not literally just like flowing further, closer to the center of the Earth. Like, maybe it's somehow being whisked off somewhere else in the galaxy or whatever. Um, something's opened up down there, and it's sucking all the oceans out. Sucking it, sucking it, good. And yeah, it's going to take eight days based on, you know, and we're already like two days into it before they figure this out. We've got another six days based on how fast yep. the oceans are draining. Well, the threshold to like the, the, the no go, like basically there's the point of no return is in eight days and two days have already gone. So you've got six days and after that, like there's nothing it- that can be done it's too low now and it's like right there's like not enough water the, maj- the majority to, of the sea life in in the world is that has actually died now like basically it's yeah okay and it's at that point where there's now no it's really that point of no return in the fact that like a lot of the carbon that we have in you know gets trapped in the ocean sort of stuff well, you know, and even just even just the the total amount of water on the planet, right? It's going to affect climate, and it's going to it's going to kill yeah. everyone because you can't create new water. Basically, well, you can by you know yeah, pressing together in- a couple a couple of atoms. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but we don't have the energy to. As, as that whole Simpsons thing of ah, oh, hydrogen atoms. Uh, one, two, three, six of them. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I'm always getting a the dig vibe from this. Yes. Yes. Where you're part of 
an underwater team who is heading down there to figure out what the fuck is happening. Mm. You know, one of a team of experts, you've got, you know, obviously an oceanologist of some sort, you've got a biologist, you know, like a marine biologist. I'm picturing uh, that the this is a a multinational, like, group mm-hmm. of people. Like, you've got the best scientists from all over the world. Like, there's one from, you know, Turkey. There's one from Japan. There's one from... Like India, and you and you're just you just happen to be one of the um one of the best damn pilots, I think. Yeah, like submarine pilot, essentially. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, that was. So I, you're not even one of really an expert on what's going to be down there. You're sort of just. No. They need someone who can go deep. The dog's can, body, basically. Yeah, who 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 can get them down there and back out safely. And I mean, I think you've got like mechanical engineer. Like you can you can maintain the submarine. Like you you know. Um, how to how to run this thing and how to keep it keep it going? Yeah. All right. So I, I kind of like I kind of like you can you can do a lot of uh, relationship building and exposition on the trip down there. Mm-hmm. Uh, like maybe you can sort of walk around your sub, like it's a three D kind of situation. You can walk around your sub, and you know they've well, all got I was their actually thinking quarters and virtual reality. Oh yeah. Okay. This is what J- it just be the out. idea of you know. Sort of, this isn't like your typical sub where, you know, you're not actually seeing anything. You're, you're doing it all via screens and all this sort of stuff. This is actually one of those subs that have the, have the huge, like, glass frontage. Yeah. And, you or, know, or you just make it super technologically advanced where it's like, it's got big window-sized screens that essentially become windows or can display other things on them or can go completely opaque or whatever. Um or something yep. like that. But yes. So oh, you get yeah, go view. completely you- opaque for when you're getting busy in the in the cockpit, definitely. You don't yeah, want the fishes looking it. in. That's just that's just weird. That's just weird, especially all those deep sea you know Eels. gapers. Gapers? I don't I don't think that's it. That's something else. <laughs> <laughs> that's that something I've seen mine. on on, <laughs> on websites that uh, I'm not gonna discuss. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> I think you do, yeah, you get the opportunity to go around and, like, build some relationships up and, and, and explore the relationships between the people or that, that are being, like, maybe some of them, you know, they're obviously run in similar circles. So, even though they're from all over the world, they, they are familiar with each other. Or maybe there are some rivalries. Maybe there's some people who, you know, do get along really well or whatever. So, it's very much one of those kind of more slow burn sci-fi kind of stories. Mm-hmm. A bit like- um what was that one where there was like the huge bubble under the water? So similar to that. Is it just called Sphere or something? Oh, Dustin Dustin Hoffman, I think. Yeah, Sphere. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. was a Michael yeah, Crichton that- film. Yeah, well, yeah, a story yeah. by Michael Crichton. Yeah. Um, then you had the Abyss that was sort of set down there yeah, as of well. Course. Yeah, I really yeah, like I'm- the Abyss. That's that is actually one of my uh, favorite James Cameron films. Um, mm. Of which there there aren't that many, but I I rate that one really quite high. Um, I don't think I've ever watched it all the way through. The the whole actually. idea of that of that like liquid the water oxygen. creature, yeah. Mm. Like oh right, is that what it was? Yeah, yeah. It it's kind of a bit fucked up, and the and what um what's his name had to go through, um, Ed. Oh, shit, Harris? I forgot his name. Yeah, Ed Harris. What he had to actually go through, like, when they dragged him across, 
like during this end scene where they literally filled up his entire helmet and said make it look like you're breathing and they slowly dragged him across the screen and oh he God. was basically like nearly passing drowning. out and drowning Jesus. in this stuff it's wild but yeah i think just sort of that like it's it's kind of this slow burn Sci- sci-fi thing where you, as you talk about you like they're all speculating like what could this be like it could be this it could be that you know I'm imagining aliens, some it could great be- some great talks around the dinner table so yeah. sort of like every day like they sort the of mess hall they, they come together and you know it's sort of like everyone eats together and you know talks about what they discovered for the day and like yeah because they're all doing all sorts of you know, readings of current and things that have changed or like the, 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 as we get closer, like the sea life is, is altering in different ways. And then, yeah, eventually you get close enough where you can start like getting readings and getting visuals on it and stuff. And yeah, I think it is some weird, like, I don't know if it's some alien device or a worm. Yeah. Like a wormhole. I do like the idea of a wormhole and the fact that at the end of the second act, your submarine gets pulled inside the wormhole and you end yeah. up on the on the other is it the on is another it like, planet or something is like it that. aliens who have identified your planet they need water and they're just like siphoning it off essentially yeah basically they didn't realize that there was intelligent that there was life. even life on there yeah this is just because this li- is just the last time that they they came and checked, there wasn't any intelligent life. There was only like dinosaurs and shit because like, it was yeah, sixty five million years ago that their probe was from. Yeah, yeah. So they're like, yep, we can we can bolster our water supply from there, drain their oceans. Uh, and then so yeah, and and again, sort of like the last act of the dig where you come across the aliens or whatever. Like now it's like, oh shit, like we're actually contacting alien beings. Um, and yeah, I think you, you have some shit going down between the people on the ship with disagreements on what to do with it. Like one of them's really gung ho and just wants to like fucking destroy them without listening to them and get back to the wormhole to get back to earth before they, you know, before the fucking bomb they've left goes off or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then others are wanting, wanting to be diplomatic and help them. And one of them wants to stay and live here with them because it's just too fascinating and they don't want to go home. A la cocoon. (laughs) Yeah. So, just like... One of those, you know. (laughs) In VR. Yeah, I I don't know. There's just something about um, sitting around the dinner table in VR that could be quite interesting in the fact that you, you can look at the people as they're talking and, you know... Um, I think it's one of those things that as you look at someone, you know, the ears sort of focus into that person. So, um, there may be a few conversations going around, but just by looking at someone, you can sort of hone into their conversation. Well, it would be really interesting even just to have some like branching or like alternate conversations around the table, but it's not based on you necessarily making like dialogue choices. It's just like, oh, I'm listening over here. So this conversation kind of goes off into something meaningless and dies off. Um, where and this one is, you know, the one that's interesting to the story. But if you'd listened over here, that one would have like segued into the interesting stuff. Where where this one wouldn't like it. it it's kind of that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I don't know how you'd do it with the ability to like flick back and forth. Uh, whether that would really fuck things up, but um. <laughs> <laughs> at one stage, you know, you. 
you're focusing in on this conversation, you flick back over and it's like, so what is it? Potato or potato? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You just totally have these little, like, meaningless conversations that are in there to try to guide the, the, the player back to what the actual story-based one is supposed to be. Um, no, I think I like that a lot around the dinner table. I think with some really good writing and some nice animation, like, you could have the player kind of really start to connect to these people a bit and understand the relationships there. And like, I'm picturing like a scene from Firefly or something, right? Where they're all bantering around the table and there's a bit of comedy and there's a bit of humor and you can really see the relationships that are happening. But But the idea that it's not just one conversation happening, which if, if you've been at a, at a table ever, you know, that it's not just one conversation. There's like five different conversations going on and you can be what part of whichever conversation you want to be. You yeah, that's cool. Of. And I mean, I think, you know, obviously you'd have points then where like, oh, the conversation you're listening to gets to a point where everyone gets involved because it's like essentially a scripted story scene or whatever. Uh, and that cuts off the other conversations and that sort of thing. But yes, like otherwise you sort of, you just have this other stuff going and you do fade it down. So you could almost just have repeating or just like, back in the background for those Asparagus. other conversations. Asparagus, albatross. <laughs> uh, exactly. But- Rhubarb, uh, rhubarb, rhubarb. Rhubarb, 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 rhubarb. At least you didn't say landmine. Um, <laughs> uh, but just to, yeah, just to give you that feeling of being around the dinner table and that sort of thing. And then, yeah, seeing their reactions when you finally, like, see this wormhole and- um, yeah, I like that. You, That's you cool. try to interject with like um, some science words that you've heard, and everyone just looks at you, <laughs> and then they you've they look at you just awkwardly tree. for like twenty seconds, and then they just go back to talking about what they were it. talking about. <laughs> I, I do like having little moments like that, and you can do it a couple of times, but like they look at you for a shorter amount of time the next time and then the third time they just completely ignore you just go swim boy (laughs) (laughs) um okay let's just quickly go one more yeah okay we've got time for one more we'll see if we keep it short or if it extends this episode by 20 minutes perfect stopping constraining rectangle oh is this a a parking game Okay, so we're going to quickly jump over to a movie. <laughs> All right. You didn't want to do a game about parking? It's no. Too many, like, too many of these stupid little mobile games. You like park a car. Uh, Detroit Rock City, 1999. Okay. Um, the Resort. R-E-Z-O-R-T. Can you guess what that's about? <laughs> no. The resort, a post-apocalyptic safari, offers paying guests the opportunity to kill zombies in the wake of an outbreak. I mean, that's kind of fun. Yeah. All right, let's let's do that. Yeah. I kind of want to watch this film. I've never heard of it before. That when's it from? Twenty sixteen. It's probably trash. It probably I is. like the idea. I like that idea. That that puts a fun little spin on on a zombie. Killing game. Yeah. Uh, oh, and it means that, you know, you can come in as, as someone who knows nothing about guns and you're sort of, like, clumsy with them and all this sort of stuff. Well, and, and you can also really then play into the meta joke of... It's like a video game. Like, it's like, oh, I'm paying, <laughs> I'm paying to go to the resort. Like, I'm going to kill some zombies. It's going to be cool. 
Uh, but yeah, they're actual fucking zombies that they essentially breed there somehow. <laughs> how do they get a new fresh? How do they keep getting fresh zombies at this place? Is that what you end up hobos from the local island that they just bring on and just get them bitten and? <laughs> yeah, I guess what's the game? Like, I feel like it's got to be <laughs> you. You you get into the into the back end and you find out that they've been going to orphanages and and like oh, getting all these kids and like. Turns out when a child gets zombified, they grow up really quickly into a full-size zombie. It's just sort of part of the, the virus. It's just more economical that way. They can they can basically get them for free. Yeah, they basically just steal babies and then uh, throw them to the zombies. <laughs> and then they get more zombies. <laughs> or maybe it turns out that if you rip an arm off a zombie, it grows another zombie from that arm. <laughs> <laughs> They're kind of, they've, 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 like, de- spliced, uh, you know, gecko dna <laughs> into the zombies um so oh, when they God. need when they have too many dying like they just cut them up into 100 pieces and get 100 new zombies okay so i like the idea of this is the resort you get offered to pay uh, you know you go into these these little um vignettes of you know you you're walking through an old west town and zombies come out and it's like this is just one of the oh, things Oh there's that like you can- different sections yeah like themed things yeah Yeah Is this affordable or is this one of these like like the rich people go off to the you know exotic hunting illegal hunting things Okay that that sort of vibe So this is how the- this is how I picture the game opening Mhm You're in a wild west and you push open the doors and yeah. you know they sort of and you move into the center and you've you've got kind of got your hand by your side mm-hmm. and then a zombie comes struggling out onto the street and you you the the cinematic is you pulling out the gun and you know shooting yeah, the, the classic wild west sort of revolver yeah blow out and all that sort of stuff and then this guy in these really gorgeous costumes sort of comes up and goes, "Well, thank you, Mister." And it's sort of like it's really, really like hand <laughs> over up. the top, yeah. And then you know you find out at that point that it's not actually really a Wild West sort of thing. It is, it is literally fake. You know, you walk, you walk out, and you see like the saloon is literally just a a flat a, a backdrop sort of yeah, thing like a, with, a, with yeah. you know it's, it's with the, the prop propped up it's just a facade and, yeah and then it goes three weeks earlier and it's like your character um is winning a radio competition to go to this resort right so it's something that the world knows about but is like super expensive or something yeah and it's like this elite thing of it's called the resort and yeah everyone wants to go there because you know there are is things it- there that yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. Is it known what's there or it's a mystery at that point? I like the idea that it's a new thing at the time. Okay. And this is like the opening weekend and you're one of the one of the first people who gets to enjoy it other than the super rich people that have already come through. Okay. Of course, in typical... I mean, you got to go with the tropes of, like, the zombies break break out of containment. I mean, it's essentially Jurassic Park with zombies, right? Yeah, like- exactly. <laughs> um, the thing is, you do find out that... Um, I think some of the things that we said before with where they're getting their zombies is, yeah. like, it's really not sustainable. Like, they, they realise that, you know, the zombies have to come from somewhere and if people are literally going to be killing them, you've got to replenish the zombies somehow. 
and it's sort of like a darker plot of- So, is it- Okay, so, and there's a few ways we could go there. It could be, like, kidnapping people and, and bringing them there, or is there something about, like, when you go there, they- you have to, like, give a blood sample or something, and they are, like, fast cloning you. And so, you start seeing zombie versions of yourself. Um- if you stick around, that is kind of that is kind of horrible. I <laughs> no, but a good a good horrible. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I do like the fact that you know you you finally you know you sort of bring down this whole place, and you you head back back home, and then you know you think it's falling you're falling asleep and all this sort of stuff, and um, you know the credits start rolling, and if you make it through the credits, you wake up and you're in a laboratory. And you're sort of strapped to it, strapped to a desk, and a scientist that you saw earlier in the thing said, "Just hold still. <laughs> this isn't going to hurt." And he injects, and you see your eye just it's like you know go bloodshot, yeah. and like you turn into a zombie. Basically, you've now you've now been you know brought back to Taken the island for and, them, and you're yeah. you're now one of the one of the people that's about to be killed. Yeah. And it's sort of like, you know, you thought that you you thought that you actually destroyed this whole island, but this is like site B. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just to go full Jurassic Park with it. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. They've got a site B. This is well, maybe it's like, so. Maybe it is that you you discover that they were like kidnapping people. Um, you know, I, I think the zombies can take a few hits, like essentially until their entire brain matter is gone. They'll be, they'll stay down for a while. So you, like the, the, the guests think they've killed the zombies, um, with a headshot because that will like disrupt their nervous system long enough and they'll stay down. But they get gathered up later and yeah. like they can go for at least another like 10, 15 runs. It's like a chicken. You, know, you cut its head off and you know, it'll run around for a little while. Yeah. So they, they were replenishing it. But as this place got more and more popular, they were having to take more people. It wasn't sustainable. And that's sort of where you came in and you were, I don't know, you figured it out. But then, yeah, the site B is like, now they're experimenting with like cloning and stuff and you're their test subject. <laughs> um, and that's for the sequel. Well, the thing is, you because you can have it as such a um, sci-fi sort of thing, mm. you're, you may not even be seeing your actual character dying. This could be a clone of your character being turned into a zombie right now. And oh, you've yeah. Just, you've linked via, you know, some, some sort well, of weird or, brainwave. Or just, like, or- if there, were, if there was, if it was, like, some sort of direct copy, copying mechanism, yeah. the whole, like, are you the clone or are you the original? Like, you, there's no uh, discrepancy. There's no- There's uh, no way that you could actually tell the difference because you've got all your memories from before yeah, and after. Yeah, exactly. And- there's a continuity of, of consciousness, essentially. Yeah, um, yeah that's fun. So, is this just, like, in between all this and FPS or something? Like, just lots of zombie shooting? And- yep. The zombie shooting, you can set landmines, you can do all the things that you expect to be able to do in a zombie game. But there's a really cool Jurassic Park-esque story happening yeah. behind. That's yeah, cool. with some with some fun, like, yeah, discoveries as you go around and- awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking, like, a G-Man sort of scientist- um, you know the half life thing. Well, and also sort of you've got that- the full on, you've got the full on evil CEO of this whole thing, who's just like shameless about the fact that they, you know, the, the, the people they took to become the zombies, like ah, like nobody cared, like they were on the streets, nobody wanted them anyway, like just completely unethical and and immoral. And you get to probably kill him 
But yeah, it's the when he gets zombified because you know he's oh, in he his o- yeah, he's in course. his office and he's you know locked the door and he's like <laughs> from behind. <laughs> yeah, but then of course yeah, it does turn out to be the scientist who was who you thought was on your side. Um, but all it was is that they were against kidnapping. They weren't against experimenting with zombies. They love that idea, and it's making them tons of money. <laughs> In fact, they've just made a new a new vaccine. <laughs> Zombie away. <laughs> <laughs> it's the precursor to Dead Rising. Um, uh, to, yeah, yeah, that's what I was. Wasn't it? Oh no, it's called something different in Zombrex. Oh, Zombrex. Yeah, I'm like no, try no. Zombrex today. Not gonna say Zombrex. I'm gonna say Zombie Away. <laughs> zombie Away. A Zombie Away. A Zombie Away. Think that's about all. All the time we've got for tonight's landmine edition. Uh, if you want to landmine us on the landmine, landmine, landmine. Like, oh fuck, you <laughs> rubbed off on me. <laughs> if you want to find us online, check out all our previous episodes. Uh, go to podchaser.com slash bitstorm. Leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear what you thought. Uh, more landmines, less landmines. You let us know. We'd also like to thank Kuridas for allowing us the use of the song Mount Defiance of the Um Containment Value. That's right. So thank you again for joining us this week on Bitstorm. I'm Ben Slinger. I'm Trevor Scott. And I'm the moon. And I'm watching you.